listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. We're back on Money Talk, and we're bringing you our guest to bring some clarity to, as to what's going on in these crazy markets. Today, we're joined by Enzio von Feil, Capital Preservation Specialist at Financial Shield. Good morning, Enzio. Hi, Andrew. How are you? I'm doing okay. It's, I've been gone, but it's good to be back. Yeah, good to have you back. Excellent. And Redmond Wong, first time I think we've spoken, the market strategist at Saxo Markets. Good to see you, Redmond. Hi, good to see you, Andrew. Great good to, to be here. Hey, great to have you both in the studio and Admiral team. Um, now, gentlemen, I don't want to place too much blame. But when I left in July, everything was fine, and I come back, and the markets are a mess. I'm not blaming you, just saying. Uh, the Hang Seng uh-huh. is dropping. The Americans fired the number three politician in the country. Nobody knows what the Bank of Japan is really up to, and bond yields are riding high. Uh, from each of you, I want to know what has you the most concerned. Enzio, stocks, bonds, how are you feeling? Take your pick. I'm most concerned about the change of global economic time, which is beginning to worsen. We're going into an excess demand for money. In other words, tightening of monetary screws ever more, and thus an excess supply of goods, a global slowdown. But I'm particularly worried about the my erstwhile traders and colleagues, the bond traders, who keep on fixing up on the futures market at least, that the interest rates will be cut next year. And I just don't believe that. I think they're going to go up to about 6% on the Fed funds rate, and then they will stay stuck because we are dealing with structural inflation forces, not just demand-driven. We're driven, with, we're driven by structural forces like less, less oil because of politics, less food because of weather, things like that, less, less job willingness, less willingness of people to work, so you have tight labor markets, but from the supply end of the stick, the Fed can't control these things. So my guess is higher rates for longer and that the bond markets are in for a very rude, the futures markets, excuse me, are in for a very rude awakening once they, once they determine that actually the, Feds will, the Fed funds rates will not be cut next year. So you think there's a gap between what central bankers are thinking, what they're seeing, where they feel the global economy is going, and what the bond traders are thinking? That there's, but if, if, there's a, if I've got you right, yeah. and you think there's a disconnect, why is there a disconnect? Why, why, are they not, uh, why are the bond traders not in tune with what's going on in the central banks? Well, first of all, I think I'm, I'm sitting in the, in the presence of a, of a bond trader myself, so I'm going to call them futures traders, excuse me, Redmond, um, according to the press. Um, I think the disconnect is because there's a lot of de- delusional thinking and a lot of herd thinking going on in the futures markets. I think that we were graced at 2022, March of 2022, when they said, well, actually the rate, the Fed fund rates won't go very high and then they'll drop very quickly. And that sort of, re- that reality, but that mental subconscious reality has stuck since and I, they're probably also talking of their own book. They could be very long of position, short of position, so they want to get these things going as they're forecasting them. But I think it's delusional. Redmond, you, you are a bond specialist. What do you think of that? Um, I, we have a slightly different view on that. But first of all, we agree very much with uh, Angel on the structural picture of the economy. And we absolutely agree that that is, you know, supply constraint in commodities. You have the green transformation putting a lot of demand for metals and everything. And we also have uh, all those regulation, uh, fragmentation of uh, global economy. These are all inflationary, but that's structural. And uh, we are arguing that is that is uh, we are entering into a cyclical downturn uh, in the U.S. and Europe. And the reason for that, 
we think that is because of uh, the real interest rate, because of the decline of the inflation rate, at the same time of the higher you know, policy rate, and making the real interest rate has become historical high. And you know, in the inflationary environment, when the economy is still doing okay, the corporate has pricing power. They can actually, who care, I mean, as long as, you know, the revenue and the stock price are all nominal, is including the inflation element. But inflation is now cooling, cooling, at least cyclically, for the, not structurally. And, uh, and then is the economy is just start getting hurt, especially in some sectors already. So that will be, I think mean, we'll be seeing more layoff uh, uh, coming. And we haven't seen that yet, but I think we are going to see more in the fourth quarter. We are not calling for a really uh, re- severe recession or whatever. We are more than saying that it's a slowdown or a mild recession. At the same time, completely with uh, what Anshio said, inflation is not coming down to 2%. So we are saying that we are saying of a light version of kind of uh, stagflation. And uh, oh, so yeah. with uh, underlying structural inflation pressure there, but temporary cool down a bit. But the, and then because of the uh, um, uh, uh, economy slowing, and also because the the Fed and the U.S. government, the Treasury, they are very much concerned about the large supply of debt coming into the market. So they are afraid of the liquidity crisis in the Treasury market, like what they saw back in 2020, mm-hmm. and then also what they saw in October 2022 in the U.K. And so, and you see now the Treasury Department has already a new program of kind of, uh, you know, it's a, cur- uh, uh, a yield curve management kind of uh, a Treasury buyback program. So, and the Fed actually in Jackson Hole, and they have a paper presented there by Professor Duffy, and also is on discussing about the potential risk of this kind of uh, 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 squeeze in the Treasury market. So all this, we come together. We think that the Fed... We are slightly different uh, on that camp. We say that the Fed is likely to cut rates, mm-hmm. and um, so in uh, in the first half of 2024. But we agree, inflation will not come down to two percent. And we are and our argument is that the Fed will allow inflation stay above the two percent target. And remember, back two three years ago, in the new regime, now they are, are falling. They are they are talking about on average. Over years, the inflation will be around two percent. Two percent is not a cap; it's anymore under uh, under chair chair power. So, so that is uh, they have always taken any time argue that they can allow the inflation uh, to to stay above two percent for some, uh, no, two or three years or something. So, mm. and so that is that's what we arguing. That so the short end of the curve. I mean. For this, uh, just one last point. Sorry, I keep talking. And <laughs> just one last point on the bond sell-off. Since July, I think b- before July is actually the sell-offs really following uh, the rise interest rate expectation. So the market was expecting the Fed to raise interest rates, so bond yield going up. And uh, and that, at that time is uh, the short end being hit most. And mm-hmm. but since July, the long end got hit. And also, in fact, if you look at the New York Fed, they have an estimate. They publish it on a daily basis on they decompose the, the rate changes in the long term bond up to 10 years to see how much is due to changes in inflation expect uh, in, in interest rate 
expectation and how much is due to what they call the, the other factor is actually the term premium. So, uh, so actually since July, the rise in interest rates pretty much 100% expected by the rise in term premium, no longer by change in expectation of interest rates. So, mm. uh, 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 Fed, uh, 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 the Fed rate path. So, so that means is that the market is not anticipating the, they sold bond not because of they are afraid that you know it's a, the Fed fund rate will be higher for longer. So, uh, but it's only the risk, uh, the term premium is going up. That is affected by uh, a slower economy, uh, uncertainties, a lot of things. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't have time to go through all of those. Well, I think I better stop here. Yeah, yeah, you covered a lot of terror, but I mean, I feel like Enzio was talking about a global global structure of changes, which you agreed with, and then mm. you know, kind of really uh, the focus has been on. You, is on the U.S. market and where it's going. Is is the focus on the U.S. right now because nobody else is going to pull us out of the dumps? China's flat or, you know, 5.5% growth is essentially flat. Japan is Japan. Europe's not going to, you know, get any animal spirits and, and pull the, you know, kind of pull the world along. Is is the focus on the U.S. because we're depending on it? Uh, Enzio? Oh, uh, being an ex-American, I would say America is just the biggest kid on the block and it determines the direction of all these rates I mean, you, you can't defy i know you and i disagree andrew um i do think you cannot defy, fight the fed and i don't mm. think you could fight the americans on just on sheer size and sophistication of the market as as um dear redmond was just saying so i think that that's one two is just soon again the danger of AI, the lack of individual thinking. The, we do have very strong markets in Japan, Indonesia, Vietnam, Southeast Asia. They are very strong markets. But of course, because the herd is reporting only about America, 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 mm-hmm. everybody gets, loses out on these opportunities. And, and where are the opportunities? Well, India, I believe, is the economic time is good. Japan, mm-hmm. the economic time is improving. I'm told Vietnam, the economic time is improving. So there are nuggets out there. They're not exactly, you can't equate them with America. We kind of figured that one out. But there's still, there are always opportunities. And J- those are the three that I would say on the macroeconomic equity side. Japan's been a super interesting story with mm. Warren Buffett piling in, but you know the, the yen's at a low, and people were like, "Well, you know, hey, buy Japan while the yen's low. If it does okay and the yen recovers, you're great." But uh, you know, there seems to be a little bit of a you know a, a counter narrative going around now. It's like the yen could go a lot lower, you know, and we see yeah. the Bank of Japan stepping in yesterday. I mean, is Japan such a great opportunity? I mean, where where do you fit on the you know the yen's bottomed out, and so it's probably a good time to go in, or could get a lot uglier. True to form, I don't fit because I don't see that's where the argument is. I think that the argument, the real one is for me, um, not as much the exchange rate, but the fact that the corporate governance in, in Japan is finally turning the corner. They are getting a lot more aware that they can't just run an economic, a, a company by saying yes to the boss. So that, I think, is the key story. The yen, I suspect, will, if, if the momentum in the market herd says it's going to continue going down, then I'm sure it will. The bond yields will thus probably push up a little bit. Imported inflation will push up a little bit. Um, but again, I think that with the Treasury function, having written a book on currency risk many, many years ago, mm-hmm. with the role of the Treasury in corporations having changed so much, the old adages that we have, weak yen, strong exports, strong yen, weak exports, that stuff never even held in my day when Grandpa was writing the book back in 88. Yeah. 
Uh, Redmond, you must have your eye on Japan this week. What's uh, what's your take? Yeah, I, I agree with NCO. We also like Japan. And uh, one of the reasons is that uh, Japan, actually, the industrial base is still very solid, very strong. Yeah, good point. They are very good leaders, not only in, in, in semiconductor equipment or, or fire, fire chemicals and a lot of, uh, you know, specialized material, which tend to be overlooked. They may not be made by those, you know, the, uh, conglomerates that we know, but, uh, uh, but, you know, it's a, but, if you look, go into the detail, they have many. And it's different like in Germany, for example, the chemical industry basically was killed by the high energy prices, high, mm-hmm. high natural gas price, where they are doing a lot of bulk chemical. But in Japan, they are doing more, you know, fine chemical, more specialized. And you're talking about, okay, I think, I mean, I cover China also. I mean, it's, uh, you, you talk about China, talking about those uh, stranghold uh, technology, you know, the chalk mm. chalking point technology. I mean, when you go through the list of the 36 items, categories of uh, published by China, uh, what technology actually they are lacking and be, uh, 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 they, they cannot go without it in the supply chain. And then when you look at who are actually the major supplier, a lot of time you go back to the U.S. and Japan. Mm. So Japan is very powerful. And also when you have the resorting or, uh, you know, away from China to other economies like India, Indonesia or Mexico or and even back to the U.S. and Japan, you have to build those factories and the capital investment. Japan is very good in building mm. all those things. So, I, yeah. so, so they are not, it's not just the domestic economy, but it's actually the ability to do things uh, outside of Japan and yeah. benefiting from those trends. I hear you. Choke Points, one of the favorite books I read this year was Chip Wars. Highly recommended to everybody. Can't remember the name of the author, but I'm sure we'll get there. Great return to uh, the show. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for making it such a great show today. Enzio Von Fowl, Capital Preservation Specialist at Financial Shield, and Redmond Wong, Market Strategist at Saxo Markets. Still to come, 